Hey there, Kaniacs. I am Jared Ellis, and you're listening to Locked On Hurricanes on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can find the show on Twitter at LO underscore Hurricanes, and myself on Twitter at Jared Ellis underscore 96. The show also has a Facebook page that I'm trying to get better at posting at uh, Locked On Hurricanes Podcast. Uh, so go give us a like over there if you haven't already. And on today's episode, guys, um, we'll be discussing the new uh, NC State Ice Pack Fall Slate schedule that just came out a few days ago. They will be playing a few games this fall, um, as well as uh, speaking with Sarah Avampato from uh, Locked On Kings, Locked On NHL, and uh, the Chicago Wolves reporter for Kane's Country. Um, we'll be speaking with her so we can talk more in depth about those depth signings that the Hurricanes made a few days ago. Um, And also there was the shocking news today of long, long, long time uh, play-by-play commentator Doc Emmerich's retirement being announced today. Um, So we'll be discussing that on today's episode as well. Um, so hopping on into the new NC State schedule, um, I did speak about that briefly in the previous episode when I was uh, discussing uh, Ice Pack All Access Episode 2 because they are now in the process of preparing for their first game against Liberty University. Um, my lovely girlfriend's alma mater as well, uh, so that is what it is. <laughs> um, uh, but that game, of course, will be on the 23rd. As I mentioned, they are in the process of preparing for that. And that's also their first foray into uh, Division One play as well. Uh, so it's a very, very big game uh, for not only the team right now, but the program as a whole. Um, so it's going to be a very tough game. I'm sure if you've already watched that episode of the docu-series, you will see that these guys are putting in a hell of a lot of work. Um, and also speaking of Liberty on November 5th and 6th, they will also be playing once again, Liberty university. This one will actually be a division two level. Um, they just break that stuff down a little, little bit different. Um, so whole bunch of games against Liberty, uh, this fall, um, probably just a thing of distance wise, I believe it's only about three hours or so um so it's not too terribly far um from raleigh um and then on november 7th um they will be playing coastal carolina university um so it's gonna be fun uh finally getting some college hockey back um i'm sure they're looking forward into breaking in the new wake competition center uh for games rather than practice um Speaking of that game against Coastal Carolina, uh, not only will it be an early Sunday game, um, it will also be um, ACCHL uh, East Division, uh, Coastal Carolina's first game. I mean, they're welcome to the family. Uh, you're getting to take on the reigning champs. Um, so good luck. Um, I know these guys, um, the ice pack that is, they're going to put in a hell of a lot of work uh, for these games. You know those kids are really looking forward um, to playing and going out and just continuing to push the program forward. Um, It's really big uh, for this team to really be playing Division I hockey. I know something we had spoke about uh, when it happened, um, you know, back at the uh, 
game at PNC Arena against UNC Chapel Hill, as well as, you know, when we had uh, Coach Healy on a couple weeks back. Um, just seeing that many people uh, in PNC Arena having almost the entire lower bowl filled uh, for a Division Two hockey game um, in North Carolina. Like, it's, it's crazy. Um, and now, you know, you're taking the step up into Division One uh, and playing a big school like that. So, great on them. Uh, you know they're going to absolutely kill it. Um, I can't wait to see that. Um, hopefully, there'll be a broadcast, uh, you know, somewhere we can broadcast it, or they can broadcast it and we can watch it. Um, really hope we can do that somehow. I believe, uh, actually... I think it actually has it down here, actually. Um, I'm just blind. Um, it will be on... The October 23rd game will actually be available to watch on ESPN3. So, actually, that one we can watch. Um, the others, I don't know yet. We'll wait and see on those. But I'm super excited for it, guys. Um, and you know what else you guys should be super excited for? That is Built Bar. Uh, Built Bars are absolutely fantastic. I've talked to you guys about them many, many times, but of course they are the best tasting protein bar in the history of the universe and protein bars. Um, fight me if you don't believe that um, because it is true. Um, Built Bars are, of course, the fitness bar that tastes like a candy bar. Um, they have so many, so many, so many flavors for you guys, something for everyone. They, of course, have their new flavors that you guys should have tried by now, I'd hope. Um, my personal favorite was probably the Caramel Brownie out of all the new ones. Um, right up there with some of the classics for me, you know, like uh, the peanut butter, the double chocolate, uh, and the peanut butter brownie. Really anything with peanut butter or brownies or chocolate, as long as it doesn't have mint, I'm pretty much going to be uh, down for it. Um but these protein bars, as you guys know, they're absolutely delicious. And not only are they delicious, they're healthy. So they're great for the health conscious individual uh, while also being covered in 100% chocolate and soft and easy to chew. And they're also great to help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in that delicious treat. Um, these bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Um, and again, keto diet's really big right now. So they're great for those as well. And, of course, right now, when you go over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order when you use that promo code of LOCKEDON. That's all caps, no spaces, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Now, guys, um, we will talk to Sarah uh, from Locked On Kings, Locked On NHL, uh, and Canes Country about these new depth signings for the Hurricanes as well as Doc Emmerich's retirement. All right, guys. Uh, as I mentioned just a moment ago, um, I am now joined by Sarah Avampato, uh, host of Locked On Kings, Locked On NHL, as well as the Chicago Wolves reporter for SB Nation's King Country. And that is what we'll be tapping into uh, for your vast knowledge today, Sarah. Oh, I do I do what I can. I wear many hats, and this one is uh, a hat that I wear in my own backyard. So uh, very excited to get to share uh, some very latest true. news about what's going to be going on there. All right. Now, I'm in uh, – talk. Ugh. I spoke about this um, the other day um, 
Now, the Canes have made a bunch of depth signings uh, here over the past few days. A few of these guys, Canes fans, will already be familiar with, um, especially Clark Bishop and Stephen Lawrence. I've met Bishop, and he is a great guy. Um, Now, they've also made... A bunch of other signings. Um, you have Joachim Ryan, um, who I know you'd be familiar with since he's been par- a part of the Kings organization, as well as Sheldon Rempal. Um, I know he played for the Reign. Um, you also got, uh, they signed their 53rd overall pick. I'm going to try to pronounce his name again. Uh, Basili uh, Ponomerov. I know I totally butchered that. Um, <laughs> they also signed Spencer Smallman, uh, as well as Jeremy Bracco, Braco, and David Gust. Um, so what can you tell us about some of these guys that the Canes have brought into their new AHL organization? Sure. So we'll start with the uh, the trio that they signed all kind of at the same time. Uh, Jeremy, Bracco, Jeremy Bracco, David Gust, and Sheldon Rempel, uh, who, as you mentioned, I'm familiar with from uh, covering the Kings and the Reigns. So uh, a little excited to get to already have an inside track info on one of these guys. Um, all three of them have been signed to one-year contracts, two-way deals. So, you know, obviously going to make more money if they spend time in the NHL. And if not, they're still going to be making pretty good money in the AHL. Uh, Jeremy Bracco was originally a, a draft pick of the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, picked 61st overall in the 2015 draft, and is someone who was noted at the time for being a really strong playmaker, for having good passing skills, uh, really good on-ice vision, a good skater. And he took kind of a weird route to professional hockey because he played in the U.S. national team development program for a couple years. And then he played like five games of college hockey for Boston College uh, after he was drafted. And then some people suggest maybe at the request of the Maple Leafs, no real confirmation there, but that's just sort of the 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 idea that people have online. Uh, he actually left the NCAA and went to the OHL and played uh, a couple of seasons there uh, between the Kitchener Rangers and the Windsor Spitfire and uh, did very well at the OHL level, but also was a little bit overshadowed by some of the super elite guys in that year. He just happened to be stuck in a draft year with guys like Mitch Marner, who, you know, obviously is a, a wild player and kind of overshadowed anything that Bracco could do. And he Spent three years with the Toronto Mar with the Toronto Marlies. Uh, captured a Calder Cup with them. Uh, got into a handful of games during that playoff run, but never really distinguished himself enough among other Leafs prospects, and was really kind of passed up in their depth chart by uh, other guys that they selected in the draft and other guys who just really kind of exploded at the right time. Uh, he spent his first season in the AHL kind of in and out of the lineup. Uh, took him a while to really get established there. And of course, you know, already had sort of a pre-existing relationship with Sheldon Keefe, who's now the head coach of the Maple Leafs. So, you know, if they maybe didn't necessarily get on very well, or, you know, Keefe already thought that he had seen enough of him, then it really meant that he was really not going to get a shot at the NHL with the Maple Leafs. And there's just, there's just too many people blocking his way. Um, 
Last season was kind of rocky for him. He took a personal leave from the team for a little while. Uh, No one ever has really confirmed what was going on. And I I feel like everything that's out there is just sort of rampant speculation that I don't really want to get into. It could have been anything uh, why he he took some time away from the team. But uh, he also... Uh, allegedly asked for a trade away from the Leafs, but they never really found anywhere to move him to. So uh, they didn't extend him a qualifying offer, which left him open to be signed by uh, the Hurricanes. Uh, He's just someone who is known kind of at every level as a hard worker, but there's just no path for him to the NHL with the Leafs. They probably feel like they've seen everything they can see out of him and just can't really get him over that hump to, to really distinguish himself from other guys. Um, He is a little bit one dimensional, not particularly great on defense. So has sort of become more of a power play guy, which if you're a depth prospect and your, you know, career path is power play guy, you've got to be elite at something and not just a guy who's kind of destined for the fourth line. Like that just doesn't happen. So there's just, some aspects of his game that I think if he wants to be successful in the NHL, he has to round out a little more. And he's just had, if you look at his stats over the years, just a really up and down career. Um, His first year in the AHL, he scored six goals. His second year, he scored 22. The year after that, he scored four goals. So there's just something going on with him that like is inconsistent, especially in the scoring department. He's always, you know, had his, assist stats are always pretty high but scoring has been not not I think where you want to see the level of consistency to trust that he he has it all figured out so he's a little bit of a project he's someone who if he somehow puts it all together could be a really interesting wing option for the Hurricanes he's a little a little smaller a little uh you know a little undersized but the Hurricanes haven't really shied away from looking at players like that. And he at least has carved out a successful AHL career for himself, but um, most likely is going to spend the year with the Chicago Wolves and will probably be a big player on their power play. That's kind of where he gets a majority of his points, which is another thing, unfortunately not in his favor of him getting a call up to the NHL because even strength is just not, his forte, which is fine in the AHL, but if you want to do more with your career, um, that is not going to cut it. Yeah, definitely. Um, the, speaking of defense, you know, whenever the time comes, like uh, training camp, you know, whenever that comes up, there's obviously you know AHL guys there. Um, so should he be invited down there? And, you know, he's there. I'm sure Rod Brendamore will definitely be doing some work uh, because we all know he's a very defensive-minded coach. Um, now, uh, out of some of these other signings that uh, Hurricanes fans may not be familiar with, um, who are some other ones that kind of stick out to you um, as you that you really like them, you question them? You know, what are some of your thoughts on these other ones? I did think the Sheldon Rumpel one was interesting, uh, especially given that I'm already pretty familiar with him. Uh, He is someone who was undrafted. He spent two years in college before turning pro uh, with the Kings. Uh, He had a really amazing rookie season with the rain. He had in his first four AHL games in 2018-19, he had eight points and basically forced the Kings to call him up. 
and he got a couple of call-ups over the year, uh, didn't score any points in those games, but got, you know, his cup of coffee in the NHL. Uh, later on in that season, he had a, uh, a streak where he had nine games with 12 points. He was the rookie of the month at one point in time um, and is a player who has a lot of interesting attributes. He is another guy who is smaller. He is listed at 5'10", but having met him, um, I don't think that's an accurate number. I think he's <laughs> a little smaller than that, but, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, he, But he, the, the thing about him that concerns me most is the inconsistency. Uh, he, in his first year with the Reign, had 40 points in 59 games, 15 goals. Uh, and then last season on a Reign team that was actually better than the year before, uh, he had 21 points in 56 games and just four goals. So right. in a season where I wanted to see him step up and take the next step and really show that, you know, he, he had more to give to force the Kings to call him back up. He, he just regressed. And I don't know if it was, you know, he just wasn't getting the prime opportunities that he did the year before because, the year before the rain basically had no one they were icing like half of an echl team honestly so he got a lot more opportunities and now that the kings have more prospects in the hl you know he wasn't necessarily getting those top line minutes um he also was just in general really inconsistent uh towards the end of his rookie season he had a really prolonged uh pointless streak uh same with last season and just similar to Jeremy Bracco is just not good defensively on, on a team that is already bad. And I, I can say that about their interior reign because I've watched a lot of them uh, in his rookie year. He had a uh, minus 28. It was the worst oh on, on the reign who was already a bad team. Um, so the Kings decided not to give him a qualifying offer. And I think that in, in that situation, I could have seen the Kings, giving him an offer if they didn't have a whole ton of other prospects coming into the system this year. So they just, they just didn't have room for him anymore. So they, they, you know, let him go free. Um, I, I think that he is, you know, maybe someone who hopefully will learn from this experience and will uh, get to be a little bit more productive, a little more consistent. Um, he's 25 years old. So, you know, not quite a, a spring chicken anymore in terms of how, how we think about hockey prospects, but I think that he can bounce back and, you know, we'll get a good, a, get a good opportunity to do that uh, on this team. But uh, I think for the Kings, they just didn't have him in his, in their future plans and uh, decided to sort of cut bait, let's say from him. Yeah. Um, do you feel like with some of these guys, you know, that do have those issues, um, do you feel that the Chicago Wolves organization um, can help them out? You obviously, you know, live in Chicago. You're familiar with that team and that organization. Do you feel they can maybe help push these guys in the right direction? You know, getting in a new place, new environment kind of deal. Yeah, I think so. I think that, you know, especially for those two guys, it really is sort of a change of scenery. There was no real path for either of them to get to the NHL, even taking aside their their issues performing at a consistent level. There just wasn't anywhere for them to go. And and maybe with this kind of kind of change of scenery, scenery new team, new organization, new coaches, um, it might give them sort of the spark that they need to, to kind of restart everything. Um, you know, the, the, the wolves obviously have 
you know, no spare, no expense in like investing in their prospects. You know, they have their own train, like training facilities and, uh, they, they treat it like it's an NHL organization in many ways. And so they'll have every opportunity they can to, to better themselves. And the coaching staff is largely the same staff who was with the checkers. So, you know, I, having seen them in action, win the, the Calder cup with a very young team in the checkers a couple years ago, I think that they are pretty good at working with players and finding ways to, to find what, find ways for them to be successful and, and I, th- I think it's just a good opportunity to see, you know, see what these guys really have and see if it is they just need to go somewhere else or if that kind of is all they have to give and they're just, you know, a power play guy or a third line winger in the AHL and that's kind of all they're going to be. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, with most of these deals, you know, there's a couple, you know, different ones, you know, here that are, you know, two, three year deals, but majority of these deals especially with those trio of deals um they're all really low risk they're all one-year deals you know the longest is three years and that's an entry-level contract so it's not like um the hurricanes and wolves are paying out a crap ton of money um for it so again fairly low risk um now uh joachim ryan you know is the first of their depth signings he obviously you know played, you know, in the Kings and Reign organization. Um, what do you think about him coming in? You know, he's someone who, if the Kings had decided to re-sign him, I would have been okay with it. He, when they, when the Kings signed him as a, as a free agent last year, I had sort of expected him to be that depth defenseman who goes back and forth between the NHL and the AHL. And then he ended up earning a spot in the NHL and pretty much stayed there all year. I think he even spent some time with Drew Doughty uh, on a on a pairing with him uh, when he was with the Sharks, which is where he came from before he signed with the Kings. He played with Brent Burns a lot. He played all the playoff games for the Sharks in one year. Um, I think that he's a player who is he, he's just a guy like I don't think there's anything he does especially well, but there isn't anything that he does especially poorly either. And when you're looking at someone to be basically your number six, number seven defenseman who you can sort of rotate in and out of the lineup as needed. I think that he's a pretty safe choice. Uh, You know, there, there were some games where I watched him and I was like, WTF is this guy doing? And then there were some games where I watched him and I was like, Oh, cool. That was a really great play. So, you know, he, he, he just exists. And the best thing you can say about him is a lot of times you forget that he was there and, and, sometimes that's all I want from a defenseman. So again, another kind of low risk signing. If one of the young defensemen in, in the hurricanes prospect pool ends up seizing a regular spot in, on the blue line, like you're not going to lose anything. If you send him to the AHL fine. Um, but you know, at worst he's a body who's there to play games. And I think for the Kings towards the end of the season, he started to get scratched a little more because they were trying to see, what they had in their, their, their rookies and their prospects and everything. But, you know, he, he exists, he's not terrible. He's not amazing, but you know, I think he's probably good as a third pairing defenseman who can play up in the lineup if you need him to. So um, nothing special, but also not a signing that I thought was too risky or, or weird or anything. Yeah, because I believe he's also on a one-year deal um, as well. Um, so he, I don't know how familiar you are with yeah you know, the Hurricanes uh, guys that they've 
being calling up, you know, Jake being, you know, being a guy um, that the Hurricanes had drafted, you know, a few years ago and being one that had kind of been on the cusp of coming up um, and with, you know, guys, you know, going out this year, you had Edmondson go to Montreal, uh, Ben Reemsteik is signed with Washington, Votnin is still a unrestricted free agent. Um, so it's likely, you know, he could finally make the jump up um, and Ryan, you know, could be the guy to kind of, step in um for him you know down the ahl or be that guy that you know gets called up um so thank you for shedding some light on some of these other uh depth signings that the hurricanes have made um and i did mention a draft signing here i did also see that your kings had signed their second overall pick uh quentin byfield to an entry-level contract already they did. I'm very excited. Uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to play in the NHL this year, but uh, great to see them get all that taken care of. And um, he already has a number assigned to him and everything. So uh, we're going to see him in a Kings uniform sooner rather than later, uh, whether or not he stays the whole season, who knows, but uh, excited to get a look at him and uh, see what the future is going to be going to be like for the Kings and dream of a day where maybe they're not, you know, one of the worst in the league <laughs> yes yeah, so maybe he'll be there you know like the opening night roster or something like that um yeah and yeah. if he Even plays he good spin. if he plays good yeah. he can stay if he doesn't bye yeah because <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. yeah, i believe we had mentioned that you know a while back you know if they play good enough to be on the roster they play good enough to be on the roster yep, yep. Um, Can't, you're not gonna argue with it <laughs> exactly um now something that did uh catch i'm um, probably most of us by surprise today um you know i hadn't originally planned on talking about this today but you know lo and behold it happened uh long time nhl uh nbc announced play-by-play announcer hockey hall of famer yada 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 uh doc emmerich announced his retirement today he's called thousands of professional hockey games i believe like 25 27 stanley cup finals you know the olympics uh you know, so much stuff. Um, would you, uh, what was your reaction when you saw that uh, come up on your uh, Twitter feed or whatever this morning? You know, it was, it was a little bittersweet because I feel like it's one of those things, obviously in the back of your mind, you know, that it's going to happen eventually, you know, no yeah. one broadcasts forever, but he felt like someone who would be around forever. And I think the the most disappointing part is that he, because of, COVID and because of, you know, all these games getting called remotely and no fans or anything that I feel like he didn't really get to have the send off that he really deserved of really being honored by, you know, the league and the teams and whatever his last game was to really kind of acknowledge it. But I also sort of feel like he's the kind of guy who wouldn't have wanted a lot of fanfare. And he probably did it like this for a reason to avoid having to have that spotlight but you know what an amazing long career and I've loved seeing all of the kind of tribute posts and everything from all of the broadcasters across the league who have been inspired by him and you know even some of our own colleagues here at Locked On who uh, you know look to him for inspiration for people who have branched out into play-by-play kind of stuff so it's going to be weird I'm going to be very curious to see who they get to replace him. I've heard uh, John Forslund's name uh, bandied around a lot as someone who could possibly step up. So uh, a nice 
Hurricanes connection there, a, a little something new for him now that he won't uh, unfortunately be working uh, for the Canes anymore. But a little sad. It would have been nice to have him get to call something, uh, you know, uh, with with the proper amount of fans and and all that. But you know, maybe the end of a storied career longer than you know many of us have been alive. Uh, I feel like maybe it was kind of appropriate that it came at a weird bubble playoffs and and all that so a little sad to see him go and you know very interesting to see who's gonna uh follow in his footsteps yeah definitely uh interested to see who's going to step in and take that role because it is going to be massive massive shoes for whoever it is whether it's forsland um i believe one of the washington capitals uh announcers was in the mix um but you know only nh uh, NBC knows um, what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, going back to Forsland, he's already done national stuff for them. Um, so maybe, you know, for him, he may decide to do that. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. Again, you know, it kind of took me to, by surprise, you know, because um, they really had like again, like you said, you know, they've been. Everyone knows it's not going to last forever. But there have been really no talk about it that I've seen, you know, of him mm-hmm. potentially retiring anytime soon. Um, so I think that's what shocked me. Like nothing was really said. But again, like you said, he's mm-hmm. he wouldn't be a guy that wants it to be made about him. He'd want it to be about the guys down there on the ice, not about him. Yeah, and it's sort of kind of similar to a, a situation where the Kings' longtime broadcaster Bob Miller um, retired a few years ago, but it was at, at the end of a season where he uh, missed a bunch of games because he had some heart problems, and so the Kings' fan base essentially kind of had the whole year to say goodbye to him, and he had been the voice of the Kings basically since the team started. And so everyone knew that that last game of that season was going to be his last game and had the time to process it. And instead here with, uh, with doc Emmerich that we all have, have been kind of taken by surprise by it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but he will definitely, he's in, he's earned his retirement. I totally had a brain fart there for a second, but yeah, he's earned it. You know, the massive, massive amount of work that he's done over the decades. He deserves to be able to, go to bed when he wants to now and not have to travel and call games and all that. You know, just if he wants to go to bed, he can go to bed. Yep. No more Pacific coast games. <laughs> yeah. None of that stuff. You know, he can just relax with his family, do what he wants. <laughs> he can actually sit down and enjoy a game, you know, not have to yeah. call it and yell and all that stuff. <laughs> I imagine if I wonder if he like will like call it like he's like sitting in his living room watching television and just sort of like how long it takes to break that habit of you're watching a game and you have to be like, ah, yes, like, you know, Kopitar passed it back to Dowdy and like how how you break that habit. I just imagine him sitting in, in the living room, like annoying the rest of his family because he's calling a game from the couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's definitely going to again. Yeah, he's earned his retirement. Um, but, uh, thank you for coming on this evening, Sarah. I greatly appreciate it. Um, yeah, had to put your Chicago Wolves creds to the test today. 
Love it. Thank you for having me on. And uh, anyone who wants to follow along with Wolf stuff uh, can find me on Twitter at right said Sarah. And then uh, the Canes uh, country is, is online at canescountry.com. Same thing for their Twitter account at Canes country uh, to keep up with any articles and stuff that get tweeted out about prospects and uh, all that great stuff that happens in uh, the world of the hurricanes. Yes. And one thing that I just thought about, you said that the Wolves treat their organization like a NHL organization. I wish they would do the same with their mascot costume because that thing is terrifying. Oh God. It's, skates is a, uh, he's something else. He does shoot fireworks from his hands though, which is pretty rad, but I feel like he also gives the kids the nightmares costume. and years of therapy. Uh, probably, probably. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, <laughs> He, he's a little rough. He's a little rough. He needs a uh, need, needs some updating. So was know, that a canine? They're, pun? they're too busy. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, but anyway, again, thank you for coming on, Sarah. I greatly appreciate it. Um, and you have a good rest of your evening, ma'am. You too. Enjoy uh, the off season. You do the same. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that chat I had with Sarah this evening. I hope it helped shed some light on these new depth signings uh, that the Hurricanes made that you guys may not have been as familiar with. I know it did help me out a lot as well. Um, So thanks again to Sarah for coming on here and talking to us about those guys. Um, Now, on tomorrow's episode, guys, we'll be looking at any other hockey news that may be coming out. Um, from the Hurricanes organization, uh, the Thunderbirds, the Checkers, the Marksmen. They got a whole bunch of North Carolina hockey going on right right now, as well as the college stuff. There's no shortage of it here in North Carolina. Um, so we'll be discussing any of that stuff that comes out um, tomorrow. Now that you're done listening to this this episode, go listen to the latest edition of Locked on NHL. Whole bunch of good stuff over there, you guys. Um, So now go follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Hurricanes. Go like us on Facebook at Locked on Hurricanes podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Jared Ellis underscore 96. And you guys have a great rest of your night. Bye.